0: This podcast is brought to you by Touch A Life. Welcome to Happy Homes and Gardens. I'm your host. My name is Daphne Royce. I am a real estate broker, architecture, and interior designer. Everyone looks for a job after college, but not everyone is lucky enough to find their dream job. Emblem Search helps you achieve your job goals. Let's welcome Ben Lewis, who is the founder of Emblem Search, to share his insights. Welcome, Ben.
1: Thanks, Daphne. Appreciate you having me.
0: Please tell us who you are and what Emblem Search does.
1: Yeah, um, at the core, I'm a a recruiter, Uh, been in it for about six years now, and, uh, and recently, about a month ago, started my own candidate search practice. Um, I guess the best way to think about me is a headhunter. Um, so I find very specific people on behalf of companies typically within software and other tech, most of those companies being early to growth stage organizations, most of those also being VC-backed. Um, so on one hand, I'll work for the founders of a company to perhaps find somebody out of a competing organization, an industry target, something along those lines. On the other hand, I'll often work at the request of venture capital organizations to find co-founders and other key people as an early stage company is, is getting their feet on the ground.
0: Finding special people, are you only focusing in the Bay Area, California, or over the country?
1: That's a great question. I work all over the country, and I have also worked um, within Canada and Australia. But I would say probably 98% of my searches tend to be for companies that are in the Bay Area. Occasionally, I'll stretch outside of that. Um, You know, I think the last couple of years have really tilted us towards remote work as well. So many of those searches will end up being for people that are you know, based all over the country, but those companies oftentimes are here in the Bay Area. And I, I think that's purely based on my network. I do a lot of in-person networking here in the in the city, in Silicon Valley, and so you meet people. Their companies are typically around here and it just kind of naturally progresses that way.
0: What is the most challenging part of finding a good position work good candidate?
1: So if we start with... The candidate side of things, I think the most challenging part of finding somebody is they might be virtually invisible online. A big part of that is not really filling out their LinkedIn profile or anything like that deeply enough. You know, I I think... People are used to finding a job themselves and reaching out, you know, to that job listing with their resume and they don't think about how they position themselves online through their LinkedIn profile. And I know that uh, that LinkedIn can turn some people off that are not really into, you know, being active on that platform, but at least making your LinkedIn profile match your resume is super important for me to be able to find you to give a little bit more context to that. I use keywords to find people. There's millions of members on, on LinkedIn. I think there's something like 11 million people on LinkedIn. And out of all of those people, the only way I can find you know, the candidate that I'm looking for is based on what keywords they have on their profile. If I can't see that you know, you're a salesperson, you've sold into HR managers, for example, um, within this size of company, something like that, I can't find you. So I think the the biggest challenge is, I would say at least half of the candidates that could be really great for my clients don't have their, their profile filled out very deeply and it becomes very difficult for me to actually locate them at all for those companies. Um, you know, if we're talking about, if we're talking about a company finding the right um or a person finding the right position i should say um at the end of the day i think those those profiles are listed or those uh, those job descriptions are listed they're pretty easy to find on linkedin well found um, you know indeed places like that the biggest problem right now is If you ask any hiring manager, they probably, if I posted a VP of marketing position, for example, on behalf of a client of mine, I would probably receive 500 applicants within two days. The question is, how do you stand out? How can you, it's not locating the job, it's actually getting yourself to to the top of the pile when there's that many people and it's so easy to automatically apply. Um, I know um, we can talk about that a little bit further down the line here, but setting yourself apart is, is the most challenging part. How do you not blend in with all of these other people? And once again, that comes back to this idea of creating a really tailored profile, really tailored resume that has the exact keywords that a company like the one you want to work for is going to be looking for. And that could be just from somebody like myself scanning a resume. It could be from a software tool that they're using to automatically sort different profiles through resume submissions, through LinkedIn profiles, things like that. Either of those scenarios require a very finely tuned resume in order to really stand out.
0: That was a very good point. I actually networking a lot. I heavily use LinkedIn. Mm hmm. But I do find people often that they don't have a LinkedIn would tell me that they're not active on LinkedIn. Yeah. What do you recommend people? How often they have to update how much information they should include in their LinkedIn profile?
1: I recommend a lot. Um, my, here's my take. If you, if you want to get in front of the best positions, In the most desirable companies, you need to make it easy for the people at those companies to understand who you are. Um, You know, this is more than just explaining what you do in your job. You need to to give them an opportunity to look at who you are as a person outside of your job description. And, you know, that's that's half of the interview is the, is the getting to know you process. And if you you have a huge opportunity there on your on your profile to be able to to talk about what motivates you to give them an idea of what types of companies you're really, really engaged with and, and, and really you know desire to work at. And so I, I recommend putting a lot on your LinkedIn profile. I think for your about section, it's it's a really good idea to talk about. What areas you're passionate about from, from a business perspective that could be industries that could be reaching a certain customer base if you're in sales or marketing, something like that. Your about section should really have a, a solid couple of paragraphs in there that talk about what your mission is, where you're looking to be, what really gets you motivated, and then maybe a little bit about yourself. Under your your job section, that should look like your resume. Each of those companies should have a kind of a warm up in terms of, you know, where things were at when you were, when you joined, what the context of that company's growth was during the period of time you were there, and then go down and, and really zoom in on what you were you were responsible for delivering while you were there. I think um, that should get as detailed as key performance metrics that you were responsible for. That's super important. Not a lot of people put uh, put those really fine details. I think that's important on LinkedIn. Folks think that uh, that you should leave that off of LinkedIn and only put it on your resume. I don't agree with that. If I'm on LinkedIn, I know how to do a keyword search and find when a salesperson is discussing what percentage they were to quota. And if you if you automate if you're putting that right up there and it's very obvious to me it's it's so much easier for me to find you and it's also very clear to me that you're happy to talk about your performance so it's it's just a it's a good idea to have it well filled out another point that's worth making here is if i have 500 applicants to a to a job if those are on linkedin and each of those those applicants has a resume attached i have to click into every single one of those resumes if the LinkedIn profile was completely filled out, I can see everything. I can very, very easily click into each of the companies that this person worked at. It's a snap. It's so much easier. It saves me a lot of time. And frankly, folks that, are, that have a really good LinkedIn presence immediately go to the top because it's just easier for me to find all the information that I need to understand what they do and what their performance track record is.
0: Would it be important to have a contact information, language award or licenses?
1: Um, Yes, I think um, the contact information piece, probably not as important. I don't necessarily recommend that people put their their phone number on their LinkedIn profile. It's so easy. There's, There's so many automated scrapers that can go and find your, you know, and collect that type of information. You'll probably get a lot of spam calls. Um, so I think if you'd like to put your email address, you can, but frankly, if someone is looking for you on LinkedIn, it's really easy for them to send you a message. So it's, that's not as important as, um, as that, uh, that really fine information on, on your background. Um, in regards to licenses, certifications, degrees, absolutely super important that all of that is, is really up to date. And, When we're talking about recent graduates, I think it's a good idea to have not just your degree, but a bit of information below that, maybe a few bullet points on specific, uh, you know, what was your major? What was your minor? What are certain projects that maybe you worked on that you'd want to highlight? If you went to business school and, you know, let's say you did a, a project in which you actually were able to deploy with a company to help them with financial analysis. Something like that, that needs to be talked about. Um, The same thing would go for a software engineer. If they had an opportunity, whether that be an internship or an opportunity through a professor of theirs to work with a company and deliver code or get involved with the engineering organization, um, you know, that's that's something that should definitely be discussed. Um, So, yeah, as much detail as possible, I, I think... In my opinion, don't hold back. Make the two of those, you know, the resume and your LinkedIn profile match as much as possible.
0: What do you recommend job seekers to prepare them for a job search?
1: Good question. My most important piece of advice that I could give to anyone is truly understand what industry, what type of company, what size of company you offer the most value to. If you're, if you're just submitting applications to every random company that has a job title that looks like it's, you know, it's within your wheelhouse. If you're an account executive, for example, if you work in sales and you're applying to every account executive role that's posted on LinkedIn, on Indeed, on WellFound, anything like that, without any thought about... Essentially, what that company does, and, and whether or not um, whether or not you've really had experience in that area, you're wasting your time. Um, you know, certain if you're if you're fresh out of college, absolutely, please do. Um, I think it's a good idea to to get a lot of exposure to different industries. But if you've already started your career and you've worked in one particular industry, if you're a salesperson and you've sold into Um, technology decision makers, CTOs, um, you know, heads of IT, things like that. You need to keep in mind whether or not this company you're applying to sells into those same decision makers. You also need to keep in mind, what the, the stage of that company was and how you can align yourself with with those types of, of growth stages of companies. If you can get really, really specific with that and then form a list of companies that, that seem like they would be ideal for you to apply to or reach out to, that's the most effective approach in this market. Um, I, I would always recommend starting with a lot of Google research in terms of building a list of prospects. This is, you know... Familiar to you, you're in real estate. I've I've been in sales for a long time. Selling yourself is as much of a sales job as as anything else. Um, it's really important to actually build a list of companies that you feel like you'd be able to offer a lot of value to. Understand very deeply how you offer value to those companies, and make sure that your resume, your your LinkedIn profile, and your outreach to those companies clearly is is aligned with that value that you can provide, and you will automatically stand out from everybody else. Because I guarantee you that 98% of people who are in that applicant pool are not doing that.
0: Where are the good places to looking for job postings?
1: I primarily am on LinkedIn, but I know that uh, another really good site that I've seen great activity from is called Wellfound. That used to be called Angel List. And it's a it's a job board. They've also got a, a bunch of other cool features, a, a great news um, newsletter for early stage startup news and things like that. Um, but they have excellent job listings for very early stage companies. If you're you know really excited about, let's say, seed stage and series A companies, that's a, a great place to, to get in front of some, some good job listings. And those are across a pretty wide range of different uh, career fields. You know, it could be sales, marketing, engineering, product, accounting and finance, you name it. If you're an engineer, a really good place to go is also Stack Overflow. Um, you know, I've, I've definitely seen some some good listings out of that site. And another thing that's nice about them is... You're only allowed to post on Stack Overflow if you're the actual, if you are the company versus a recruiter like me. So I think a lot of people will get direct access and and really understand who who is hiring through a a website like that. But as I said, they're only technical. You're not going to find any sales jobs on uh, on Stack Overflow.
0: Now we know uh, where to look for a job. How can the cover letter and also resume stand out?
1: good question. Um, uh, you know, I think to bring this back to that focus on, you know, the, the companies that you really understand where you deliver value to your resume needs to speak to your, your accomplishments within those specific industries. Um, simply talking about if you're, if, if you're a salesperson or a marketing person, simply talking about, um, you know, how you've how you've met your quota, you know, responsibilities, things like that, without discussing um, you know, specific contributions into a certain industry, who you've sold to, what the stage of that company that you've worked in has been at, what that growth has looked like, you're only giving half of the picture. So my recommendation is there, there's a couple of pieces here. First of all, I I think it's really important for a person to discuss the stage that the company was at, and give some background context. If you joined at uh, as employee number one hundred in a, in a startup, that's very different in terms of what your experience and what your contribution has been than if you joined as employee number one thousand. And companies need hiring managers need to be able to see that very easily. You should be making it as easy on them as possible to understand. Um, you know, what that background context is, um, what types of, of growth, growing pains, um, you know, key milestones and things like that within that company's expansion have you been a part of? Um, the next piece that's really important here is, is getting as granular as possible with performance information and other, let's say deliverables. Um, you know, what key outcomes have you driven? The the best way to think about this is quantitative rather than qualitative. How do you, instead of talking about you know if you have a sales resume, talk less about uh, vague statements about how you successfully sold a large deal into uh, a you know a leading HR software provider or um, you know into a healthcare system. You need to sell to say was responsible for. Um, leading and closing a $6 million deal into um, Athena Health with these specific stakeholders being the primary people that you reached out to. You need to get as specific as possible. The the vague vague language on resumes is the number one thing that gets them disregarded. And the same thing goes for the cover letter. I think a long cover letter is it's not going to get read. It needs to be short. It needs to be concise. I don't think that a letter is even the best word for it now because the best way to approach this is perhaps to have three introductory sentences on who you are, what motivates you, and why you think you'd be a great fit for this company. That should be typically, I'm a great performer. I have experience selling into the same customer that you do. And um, maybe something about yourself that's interesting that they might not know. And then let's say three or four bullet points below that, that are very clear and concise that talk about your performance, why you'd be a great fit for this company. And and that's it. The three paragraphs, people just don't have time to, to read that much when, when job postings are getting so many applications right now. The next piece that's worth discussing here is, the cover letter's purpose in my, at least in my line of work, is not to attach to your resume necessarily, but to use as a tool to reach out to hiring managers proactively. If you want to get the best interviews with the best companies nowadays, it's really worth it to go out on LinkedIn and find the hiring manager of of that, uh, that particular role that's been posted. Oftentimes, that means using LinkedIn Premium. It's 50 bucks. They have a, a free trial for a month. It's worth doing. Guarantee you it's, it's, um, it's a very valuable tool. And reach out to those people and shoot them a quick note. Shoot them an in-mail, um, just letting them know, hey, I applied to this position. I know you have 400 other applicants. Wanted we'll to make sure that, that you notice me here. Here's why I'd be an excellent fit for this based on my experience in XYZ industry, bullet point, bullet point, bullet point. Thank you for your consideration. That's it. The, the cover letter is your sales letter, in my opinion. It's uh, there's, there's way too many applicants flying around these days for a hiring manager to reasonably be able to read every single cover letter.
0: Do you know the percentage of people will get called back for the interview? And also, do they still do do an in-person interview now?
1: It's a great question. Most first-round interviews are always going to be Zoom. Um, Percentages of callbacks are very low these days compared to what they used to be. It's... When I say that I'll get 500 applicants for a role in two days, I, I mean it. It's just there's there's so many people that are flowing in. It's uh, it's just not reasonably possible for me to actually get back to every single one of those people with a personalized message versus, you know, a, a, an automated email saying, hey, thank you for your submission, um, but we're going with other candidates. So... You know, another here's another um, piece of information that's worth highlighting. I think going back to what I was saying before about reaching out to the hiring manager directly, if I receive if I receive 500 applicants for a role, I might have 10 of those people actually send me a message on LinkedIn. I've placed so many people who have sent me the message on LinkedIn because it's so obvious for me. I, I know that. These are the areas in which you'd be great for this company. You're telling me right up front why you're why you're awesome for this role. You're being proactive. It's, it's such an easy way to just go a bit above and beyond and really show that you're interested in this position. And it works super well. The, the people that I know who are getting the best interviews with the most desirable companies, this is whether it's engineers, product people, marketing, sales, you don't have to be a salesperson to reach out to somebody. If you're an engineer and you send somebody a message, you're you're one of very, very few people who are willing to do that. It's more natural for a salesperson to send a message to a hiring manager. If you're an engineer and you do that, you're one of maybe three people in the entire applicant pool who is willing to do that. and it's it's a slam dunk. it's it's um, it's the best way to get that callback, honestly. most people, like, myself as a as someone who runs job you know job listings online, I always get back to those people who reach out to me.
0: That's very interesting. Often I look at a job posting, mm-hmm. but I am very confused about the job position. How can yeah. a company market better for their ideal candidate?
1: That's a good question. Um, I think there's two pieces to this. Um, first of all, Job listings oftentimes are not as focused as they need to be. Um, there's no reason to put soft skills like great communicator or highly motivated in in a job description. Um, generally speaking, most really desirable jobs. If you're not a great communicator and you're not highly motivated, you're not going to get hired anyway. <laughs> you know, and so I think getting as specific as possible and not taking up space with anything besides like the requirements for the job and uh, a description of exactly what this person is going to be doing on a day-to-day basis. That's, that's wasted space. It needs to be trimmed down. It needs to be highly specific so that, um, so that people are very, very clearly able to see how this lines up with their experience. I think, there's um there's a couple of other pieces here one thing that's really helpful is describing what this person will be responsible for on a 30 day 60 day and 90 day basis what are you going to be working on the second that you walk in the door make it as specific as possible to the company's actual initiatives they have going on if your responsibility is going to be to to walk in the door and improve uh, search engine marketing on behalf of a company that needs to be very specifically put in there. Um, You know, this person will immediately be responsible for, um, you know, making qualitative quantitative assessments to search engine marketing, you know, budgets, campaigns, and so forth within 30 days by 60 days, we're expecting these types of improvements by 90 days. This person will be taking on these types of additional responsibilities be very specific another piece in terms of the you know the required experience start off with what your absolute non-negotiable requirements are and then have a short list of um, nice to have you know bonus points beyond that I, i i think everything else is fluff just if you trim it down make it really specific um it's it's going to attract better candidates who, who really want to get to the point, who are business-minded and, and, um, and, and want to see companies that feel the same. So, um, you know, I, I think that's a big piece. Another, um, another important note here is when you see a, a job description and they're giving you a bit of information on the company, you know, let's say an introductory paragraph or two on, we are XYZ organization and here's why we're awesome. Using emotional appeals about why this is a great place to work is not the best approach these days. The highest performing people, the most business minded candidates that are going to make the most impact within your company, they need to be approached like you're pitching a VC, like you're pitching somebody for funding. You need to be talking about, here's the the background of the company. Here's the track record of the founders, the investors, and the advisory. Here's, here's what their previous wins have been. Here's where we're, at, where we're at from a funding perspective. Here's the competitive landscape. Here's where we are from, uh, let's say, a product market fit perspective, or if you're really early, have you achieved minimum viable product? Here's where we're going. Here are the challenges. Here are the opportunities. Getting as specific as possible and pitching them like you like, you know, like you really mean it. Like this is somebody that's, that's, um, that's potentially a co-founder or somebody that's going to give you money. That works really, really well with candidates as well. Even if there are folks who are just starting their career off, if they see something like that, they're going to really take this seriously. And, um, I, I don't think enough companies are forthcoming enough in that initial, in that initial description of their organization to attract the highest performers, Oftentimes you, you don't see that type of information until you receive a message from somebody like me. I think companies could be putting that in their messaging for their job description and they would get way, way better applicants.
0: Okay, let's assume that you're lucky enough to get the initial interview. Mm-hmm. How often and when should a person follow up after an interview?
1: Good question. So super important for you to send a thank you note immediately. So that's um, that's just you know job interviewing 101. Make sure to send a thank you note. In that thank you note, be sure to call out something from the interview, especially something maybe that was shared by one of the interviewers that was something personal, something they really like about their job, something that you noticed, that you want to let them know you were listening. Um, you know, make it, make, that, uh, make that personal note in there to, to make this personal, to make them remember who you are. I would follow up after that within about two business days to find out about status. I generally find that hiring managers that I work with typically will debrief on candidates the following day. They will have a morning meeting, let's say 8 or 9 a.m., and they'll talk about the people that they interviewed the previous day. So if you're if you're waiting, giving them a full day the next day, and then reaching out and and finding out what your status is the next day, that's a good cadence. Another really important note here is you need to to close the next round of interviewing. Um, you know, close them as in selling to them during that interview. You need to ask them what next steps look like. If there's anything else that, that you could clarify, you know, any, any potential questions or concerns that they might have, ask when, you know, when to expect an update on on next steps and what those next steps are. They, that's a, a critical piece, especially for sales and marketing. But I've also seen that being a, a really critical decision-making factor in technical and product roles that shows engagement, it shows commitment. From this person to that interview process, it's really easy to do. It's as simple as asking what the next steps look like and, and how you can best position yourself to, uh, to to get the next round of interviewing. It goes a really long way, and I've actually seen I've seen hiring managers that pass one candidate versus another just based on whether or not they ask those questions during the interview.
0: And what is the best attire and demeanor uh, appropriate for an interview?
1: Great question. Um, if you work in tech, you don't need to wear a suit and tie. I uh, I, I think that suit with no tie is a good look. But um, but business casual in general is fine. Uh, collared shirt, um, you know, slacks, you know, look nice but not too formal. There's one exception. If you work in finance or accounting, suit and tie are required. That is still a, a cultural norm in, uh, in any and even if this is within a software company, if you are if you are a financial analyst, if you're um, if you're gonna be in a financial planning and analysis position, something like that, it's always a good idea to wear the tie because the person who you're interviewing with, even the, even if they're working in a company where everybody wears t-shirts, that person might have started their career in investment banking or something like that. And they might just have that uh, that kind of, that, uh, that set of values that they feel like people should at least begin with a suit and tie. So if you're not in finance and accounting, just wear a collar, you'll be fine. Um, if you are in finance and accounting, um, yeah, keep it more formal. And I would recommend the same over Zoom even if you're on Zoom, wear the tie. <laughs> if, if, if it's an accounting position, wear the tie. Um, otherwise, I think, you know, just a shirt like this is, is is totally fine. If you're an engineer, if you're a salesperson, anything like that.
0: That's a great to know. Do you help people with the temporary jobs, internships and permanent positions?
1: I am primarily responsible for permanent hire positions. Um And and there's a big reason for this. I'm typically brought in to find very specific people. You know, I'm I'm a headhunter. Oftentimes, I'd say probably 60% of the work I do is executive search. Those are generally permanent higher positions. I do occasionally see contract roles where, let's say a CTO is doing a trial run with a company, especially if it's a startup they might do a trial run for about six months where they're being paid, you know, under 1099 as a contractor just to get a feel for the team, for them to really, you know, for, if this is a, a position that's essentially a co-founder of a company, I think the the investors, the advisory, the founders really need to understand how well they work together before they commit to bringing this person on board, you know, as a permanent hire. And I, I actually find that If you're, especially if you're a C-level executive and you're looking for new roles um, and getting kind of proactive in the market, a really, really good place to start is in a fractional capacity. So you're working maybe 20 hours a week, you're working under 1099 and that gives you a chance to feel them out, um, you know, see where the, the company is at personality wise and kind of uncover any skeletons that might be in their closet and they'll be doing the same for you. Works really well for everybody. Um, but uh, in terms of where most of my work is done, ninety nine point nine percent is is permanent.
0: Have you ever run into people who want to change their careers?
1: Happens all the time. Yeah, I think um, you know the best the best advice that I've been been able to give people. Let's say if you're if you are in sales and you want to get into marketing or something like that. Or maybe maybe you're in consulting and you want to get into a software company instead of being on the services side of that. My advice is always to find common ground. If you uh, if you're in consulting and you're selling to large healthcare organizations, for example, let's say you're at uh, at PwC, you're selling consulting engagements for uh, large healthcare organizations to sell them software implementation and professional services afterwards the best type of company for you to attempt to go into in terms of you know a career change going into software is a health tech company you know a company that sells that also sells software to healthcare organizations It's a, it's a really easy transition. I think finding that common ground could be the same thing for moving from sales into marketing, any of those, um, any of those fields, it's, it's really, really important to avoid wasting your time by figuring out what is, what's the most easy way for you to actually still have value and familiarity with the industry of, uh, of the new role that you want to be kind of exploring and, and really highlight that value. Um, that's that's the best way to kind of form a bridge that's that's not going to result in you taking too much of a a reduction in compensation by by changing careers
0: that's great to know thank you so much that was very insightful Mm -hmm. and please tell us where to find your website and how people can reach out to you
1: Absolutely. My website is emblemsearch.com. That's E-M-B-L-E-M-S-E-A-R-C-H.com. Uh, my email is ben at emblemsearch.com. I'm on LinkedIn probably seven hours a day. <laughs> so, um, so you can always find me on LinkedIn as well. Um, I, I try to post useful content there and engage with other folks as often as possible as well. So, um, I, I look at and answer every every inbound message that I get on LinkedIn. Um, so I would love to hear from you there as well.
0: Thank you so much, Ben. I appreciate your time. And hopefully this will help people to find their dream jobs.
1: Absolutely, Daphne. Thanks for having me.
0: Thank you. You have just listened to Tall Radio Podcast. For more podcasts, visit www.touchalife.org.